Welcome to the Hard Light Podcast. I'm Dr. Bob Wright, and I've spent the last 40 years studying the fulfillment of human potential, working on myself and coaching all sorts of folks on many different life paths to fulfill their potential and do things that they thought impossible. Along the way, I've learned there's a process based on responsibly looking at ourselves and expressing the truth of our experience to our highest vision. A science of developing greatness that isn't what corporate America, politicians, schools, and our parents tell us. That truth is the hard light. We are responsible for our lives and we can learn and grow instead of blaming and justifying. With this podcast, I'll talk with leaders who inspire us to celebrate the capacities and resilience of humanity. Leaders who inspire us to create and contribute to a world that works for everyone. The Hard Light Podcast is proudly sponsored by the Lions School of Transformational Business at Wright Graduate University. Wright Graduate University's applied business education develops the transformational leaders today's organizations need. Become a stronger, better you as a person and a business leader by learning more at wrightgrad.edu slash MBA. Now, let's start the interview. Welcome back, Rich. I'm so glad to continue our conversation about your career. Thanks, Dr. Bob. It's good to be back. We got to the point of view that you did an awesome risk letting the big, the big prestige consulting job go and putting the ad into Crane's Chicago business that recent Northwestern MBA grad looks for a job where he can learn business. Yeah, it was definitely... Uh... As we talked about last time, it was definitely a big risk. And I thought I had my cherry job and, and it was a big risk to kind of turn it down and, and refocus on going into a smaller business where I could really learn business and really start learning, I guess, because I think I'm still learning, but start learning to become a businessman. Yeah, and it's it's uh, not hard to remember how hurt and angry you were when <laughs> I said I was so disappointed that I thought you wanted to be a real businessman. Yeah, that wasn't exactly what I expected. I was expecting a, a bit more of a celebration, but you know, it was uh, it was a good uh, supportive move that I wasn't expecting. So, what we want to get into in in this next segment of our podcast is why people should start in small businesses if they want to have a great career, whether it's as an entrepreneur or any reason that they want to be a functionary in a larger business, um, we want to talk about why small business is a better move. And to start that out, I want to just give a little bit of an overview. Um, There's generally a president or a CEO at the top of a business. And nowadays we have the the C-level. We have a chief financial officer. We have a chief operating officer who gets stuff done. We have a a chief uh, financial uh, officer who gets things done. We have a CTO, a chief technology officer, CIO, chief information officer. We have a CHRO now, chief human resource officer. And so we have a lot of different functions in a business. And the CIO is really critical at getting information back into the business. The CTO is 
necessary for the systems that will measure those things for the CIO to get them back into the business. And they both give us support to the CFO who's doing the finance, who needs to have the numbers that's all, they're almost all computerized now. And we have a chief sales officer and we have all these different chief officers. And so today I wanna to talk about the advantages that you discovered going from the big consulting firm into the small business where you got to do so much. So talk to us a little bit about the advantages of working for that small business. Yeah, I mean, a lot of things you're saying, I mean, there weren't a lot of people around. So when you're talking about all these C-level people doing different things and you kind of end up with these silos, right? And and I think with big companies, you end up with that specialization, so to speak, instead of really being able to learn across everything, see the connectivity within a company. I mean, I came in as VP of sales and marketing, right? So even, you know, initially at least connecting sales and marketing, inside sales, outside sales, you know, really having a rep network and kind of starting there, but then evolving into how does the business run and how is everything connected? How do leads come in? How do we bill? How do we track that? So there was a lot of things that I got to do that I never would have gotten to do in a bigger company to the point where I even developed a product and wrote curriculum, you know, for a product and took a new product to market. Um, you know, and there were so many experiences and things I could talk about from that perspective. But that small company experience, I don't think I, you know, we were under a million dollars when I first started in revenue. And I just, I kind of got to do everything. And I don't think I would have really gotten the experience in a larger company. Well, and part of the cool thing was you started out with sales because that's where business really begins. And then you had to start looking at what you were selling, how you were selling it. And, and so let's just stay with how you ended up starting with sales, tell people about how you built your rep network, your call center, and let's just talk about how you built the business generating delivery machine for the company. Yeah, I mean, I came in and, you know, with sales and we kind of started with, you know, this rep network. So having an independent rep network, which is a very different thing, right? To have these reps that sell your product, but don't work for you. So from a management perspective, that's very interesting. How do you keep those people motivated? How do you get them to pay attention to you and your product versus other people's products, right? Because they're representing a lot of different products, right? So getting their attention and getting their mind share, that's, that's an important thing. And then our inside salespeople, run, I mean, I had never run inside salespeople, right? So running, you know, setting up metrics and really starting to think through how many calls should someone make? What does conversion look like? How do you track a pipeline? How do you keep track of contacts? You know, so we we used ACT way back then, you know, before Salesforce, I think, was even around, but starting to think through contact management and pipeline management, you know, from an inside sales perspective, and then joining those independent rep network, inside salesperson, and then establishing our own outside salesperson as well to follow up on some of the leads we were generating through marketing. And through the trade shows, you know, so then I got into those partnerships and those trade shows and really helping to develop leads. Because as you said, you know, 
sales is the heartbeat of the company. And uh, so let's go in a little bit more into the rep network because they had one, but they really didn't know how to use it. And so you had to activate it and get it working. And uh, inside sales, I, I really want people to hear about how you built the inside uh, call center and what it was like for you dealing with the competition and the backbiting in that center. And then we'll, we'll build a little more into the benefits of working in a small business. Yeah, I mean, having the outside rep network, I mean, part of it was, you know, I'll say it in, you know, my word, showing them some love, right? And spending time with them. An example would be we had a rep uh, in Mexico City, you know, so for us to go down there, I went down there, uh, you know, with one of our other employees, you know, we went to a big trade show in Mexico City, we flew equipment down there, you know, so really supporting them and, and tending to them as if they were your employees, you know, and we got you know, treated very well and sold a lot of equipment out of that trade show, but we treated our reps very well, you know, so serving those reps and treating them as they really are an extension of our company and and an extension of our sales network. So I think that's an important, you know, to get that alliance to really start thinking about partnerships and alliances and think through like, how could this work for us? And then take that. Yeah. And so you really learned about the care and grooming of a rep network. And you learned about empowering a rep network. Uh, these are all skills that are you know, a lot of people don't really understand. Uh, yeah, yeah. And, and so, but you still then you still had calls coming in, and you had to be able to field those calls and build your inside uh, sales group. Yeah, so we had inside sales. And, and like you said, we're fielding calls, following up on leads, but we're also doing outbound calls. So buying lists, you know, targeting certain companies, targeting in this case, you know, school systems, technical schools, uh, industrial schools, you know, people that are going to use our equipment in addition to corporations that are going to be doing hydraulics, pneumatics, electricity, electronics training, you know, for their staff. You know, so from that perspective, you know, inside sales was very important, but I didn't really know what I was getting into. I hadn't managed an inside sales team and there was a lot of competition. There was a lot of backbiting. There was a lot of complaining. You know, it was kind of like the Glengarry Glen Ross movie, right? Like we want the Glengarry leads. Like where are the good leads? We want the good lead. You know, it's like someone's getting the better leads than I am and I'm not getting the good leads. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me, hold people accountable, you know, and, and really to get their best. I mean, that was a very specific goal to, you know, hear someone, but also, wait, you're capable of more. And I'm, if I'm not pushing you, you're never going to get to that more. And that was something that I learned over, you know, a number of jobs, but it started, I think, there at TII. Yeah, you, you, it was like uh, tons of excuses you had to get through to help people win because, yeah. uh, you know, they they were blaming other things on their failure to close, just as in the movie, Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross, right. uh, the salespeople blamed the bad leads. Yet there's still one sales guy that manages to sell with those bad leads. <laughs> yeah, no, it was it was kind of. 
it was a lesson for me for sure and holding people accountable and um, working through conflict with people. But I think setting a vision, you know, starting to get that concept of weight is someone capable and what are they capable of and how can I help them get out of their own way? If that makes sense, because, you know, someone has to want it, but I can help them if they want it, I can help them get there. And so then we now have a building customer base. The reps are bringing people in. The call center is taking uh, responses to ads that were out. And um, we've got sales happening. But now we have customers and clients that we need to keep a relationship with. And the uh, contact management tool that was most common back then was ACT. And nowadays it's Salesforce. And there are quite a number of them. Yeah, there's out there now. Yeah, there weren't a lot back then, but we used ACT just to, to track, you know, our contacts, track our customers, track our leads, and to start think through thinking through an actual sales pipeline, right? And so to be able to track it, see what's coming, uh, really do follow up, which then leads into marketing, right? If if someone buys, how do you keep them in the funnel? New products, new things we're coming out with, and keep them as an active customer and potentially sell them other things. You know, so it was putting a lot of those things together that we we didn't really have. Yeah, this concept of a pipeline is is an interesting one because we have sometimes we're prospecting, we're just out looking for possible sales. Other times we have um, a lead, and 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 we have a suspect that we can go to, and then we get a a person or a company that we've identified. But it doesn't really become a pipeline event until we can put a piece of work or or service and money on it. And then we still have to be able to maintain that relationship all the way up to where we have our first sale and then we develop the account. Uh, So when we talk about a contact management tool, it's really critical to have our um, data about our potential customers and our current customers so that we can grow our current business and develop and mature our, our pipeline to actual business. So a really critical piece that you actually got to design the, um, the fields for it and actually strategize and build um, uh, an entire uh, structure within ACT uh, for your company. Yeah, and if, I mean, a couple other things just to add to that, Dr. Bob, it's really, that's, those, those are your assets, if you think about it. Like that information, what if someone leaves, you know, is where I was going, you know, because, you know, starting there, but over time, when we'd have people leave, if those notes weren't in there, if we didn't know what contact was made, if we didn't know what conversations happened, how would we continue that forward? And then there's just simple things, like how does your company look if you have three different people calling into the same client? You know, you look terrible, right? You look like, wait, you're not coordinated. Yep, what kind yep. of company are you? You know, so having a, a database, you know, that says, here's the last time we contacted that person. They got this email. They called in. Someone called them. And having all those notes in one place, we had a meeting. Because if you call in cold and they're like, we already met with your company. We've met with your company twice. We actually happen to be a customer. I mean, that's terrible, right? So, you know, some of that, working through some of that to say, this is very important. And this is really, this data is an asset of the company, you know, and this is what you're paying people for. So 
you know, we got, you know, a lot of accountability in terms of making sure everything's being tracked. I mean, nowadays it's easier, you know, with tools like Salesforce and other tools where it will track it for you automatically and we'll track your emails. But back then, you know, it was a, a lot more manual. So there's both the creative developmental aspect of the sales business and the defensive aspect to keep yourself from being embarrassed and uh, losing Absolutely. confidence. Absolutely. Okay. So we're tracking sales. So you're selling at this point for TII, you're, you're selling uh, robotic education equipment. And so we've got you with the rep network, the call center, and we've now gotten you able to develop the use of ACT as a contact management system back then. And so now you're starting to really get into the company. Um, there's marketing, which is how you're generating leads for your call center. Tell us about you and the experience you had with marketing and bringing leads in for your call center. Yeah, so we, I mean, there's a few different ways we did that. Um, one was looking externally and starting to go to trade shows and conferences. You know, so really starting to travel, be at these conferences, become a speaker if we could, bring a client if we could, have case studies, like all of this goes into marketing to start really writing about how we're helping a company, what are the results, how our equipment is helping to better train, uh, you know, companies or educational facilities, you know, so then we can sell more. You know, so there's a lot of things that go into marketing, but that got started with let's write some case studies. Let's go to trade shows. Let's do lead generation. Let's put out press releases um, and really start seeing if we could get people to call us. You know, that's ideal. We're still going to always call people, but if we can get people to call us and get them interested in what we're doing through examples, through name dropping, we're working for this company. We're working for this company. We're working for this university. We're working for this technical college. That always helps, you know, other people because you're establishing credibility. So right now we're talking about uh, the benefits of starting your career at a small company. If you're highly motivated and you want to work hard and you want to learn, you want to be a good business person. So we've been tracking back from a rep network uh, into uh, contact management. And now we're at the point that we're seeking with marketing to generate leads coming in uh, so that you're working on things like name recognition and you're now, however, you're having an expanding amount of data that the company needs to digest and use effectively. And you have to help make that happen because you're the game. Yeah, I mean, it, it got to the point where, you know, I started writing our internal, what you'd call now an ERP system or, you know, your back office system because we really didn't have it. So how are we gonna connect these leads, then it converts to a customer, and then we have to invoice them. So we actually have to send out an invoice. You know, we have to print an invoice back then, uh, send out an invoice, receive a check. You know, so all of a sudden we're into accounting and back office and really tracking throughout the whole company. So now I have view and purview into the whole company. So we're starting in sales and marketing and lead gen but now we're getting more sales and we have to start tracking better. You know, So we have to start making sure we're shipping, making sure we're doing manufacturing because we were manufacturing in the back. You know, So I could remember sometimes going in the back and packing things, pick, pack, ship, 
And then, you know, we needed a new product. We decided we're going to introduce an electricity electronics training product. Well, I was a double E, you know, so I wrote the manual. I put the trainer together. I manufactured it. I shipped it out, you know, so those are things I, I could have never imagined the breadth, I guess, of, a, of experience to see the whole company and the so, whole process. So let's let's back up a little bit uh, to my time coming into business. The word enterprise system didn't didn't exist. Computers were just big mainframe things that nobody knew how to use. Um, chief information officer didn't exist. Chief CTO didn't exist. And but what happens is computers come in, and finance gets done on computers. Other record keeping gets done on computers. And what starts happening is the computer becomes like the servo mechanism through which everything in the company goes. So for the first time, instead of having a separate finance program and having a, a separate sales program, a separate program for this, this, and this, Rich is right at the time in history when everybody's starting to look at having an enterprise-wide integrated system so that instead of going from one program to another program, everything was working together and um, in the ideal. And so I was going to say that I wasn't quite there yet, but in the ideal, people were at least starting to think about it and thinking about ways. How do you pass data back and forth, even if you're doing it through an Excel spreadsheet? But there's some way you're thinking through this process of from initial contact of a customer all the way through sale, all the way through shipping, all the way through any customer service and then circling back to sell them something else. Right. And so that's pretty much a given nowadays in business that you're going to have some kind of an enterprise-wide system that's going to pull you together. And there are different kinds of enterprise systems. There are actually enterprise systems that specialize in agricultural businesses because right. they understand that. Others are more in manufacturing, others more in consulting and service delivery. So, But Rich got to develop an enterprise-wide system. Yeah, that was kind of the first. I mean, that served me later because... As you said, there's systems that do that now, but it's still a nirvana. People are still working on what I'll call a single view of the customer, you know, because there's still there still are these separate systems where you have a separate system that might be your website and you're selling online. And then you have a store where someone walks in and buys something. Then you have a separate call center that's taking any issues and problems. And a lot of times they're not connected. So it's funny, you know, going back to there that, Sometimes there still is the same issue. Do you have a single view of that customer when you have all these different people and all these different systems communicating with them? So it was it was interesting to be at the beginning of it, but it's still evolving uh, and still kind of a nirvana to, to have this customer 360 where everyone sees every part of the customer and every interaction. Because for a very large company, you can imagine that that becomes difficult. So we've got you able to grow with the rep network and all of the other sales activities. Then you had to keep track of what you sold and you had to find a way to know had it shipped, what, what's going on with this customer. And so one really empowered, empowering view of the customer so that you can be sure that that relationship is in good shape and you're optimizing the chances of success for the customer. So we've got you developing um, marketing program. 
we've now got you developing the back room, we'd call it, the enterprise um, system. And you're starting to really wrap your arms around this company, what it does and how it does it. And um, my, my favorite um, integration of marketing into companies is when marketing starts being part of product innovation and development. So let's talk about you as the marketer and the product developer. Yeah, I mean, that was, you know, to to really look at our product line, but also to listen to our customers and listen to our reps to hear, like you're saying, innovation, what's going on in the market, what are people asking for, and talking to customers, what else would they like, and what else could we provide? You know, so that feedback loop is really critical to then hear, well, you know, we have pneumatics, we have hydraulics, we have robotics, what about an electronics? you know, product? What about an electronics trainer? What about an electronics curriculum? So we start hearing this data and gathering data from our customers, makes it a lot easier when your customer tells you what they want uh, to, you know, you're not off doing product development for something you're not sure if it's going to work. Here, you're having people tell you, yes, we need this. You know, so that allowed me to think, okay, well, what if we did do develop a new trainer it fits in, in what we're doing. Shouldn't be that hard. We should be able to manufacture it and we're going to be able to train it. And I had the technical knowledge. I remember getting out my old physics books and pulling, pulling out textbooks uh, from when I was in college to think, okay, what would this look like? How can we teach people about voltage and um, current and resistance and, and let them really learn about this through a curriculum and through an actual hands-on experience. So, you know, to be able to literally, I mean, I don't, I, I don't think I have even had that experience since to develop a product and bring a product to market and then sell it uh, was really, really a unique experience for sure. And one I would never get in a, in a very large company. Well, and in our later podcasts, we'll get into down the road for you. But right now, not everybody has an electrical engineering degree, but we all have backgrounds. And are we bringing our whole self to a business or are we just doing a job? And so you'll see that Rich is bringing him his whole self to this business and he's risking and he's engaging and he's raising his hand and says, I'll do, uh, he's saying, I'll do it. And he now, then now he's letting us know he develops a product but then you can't just develop the product. You got to have manuals. Then you got to market the product. Tell us a little bit more, Rich, about the product you developed and taking it to market. Yeah. So, I mean, I mean, what you're saying, Dr. Bob, it's not as easy as it sounds, right? Because we have to actually lay out the product, figure out how it's going to work, but then write a manual that's going to train someone, you know, so starting at the beginning and, and developing all the concepts and then putting exercises in there that people are going to actually have hands-on because all of our equipment was really a hands-on training approach. You know, so we were TII technical education systems, but all of our systems were hands-on, you know, so to, to follow what we were doing in pneumatics and hydraulics and robotics, but then like, okay, what exercises are going to be critical for someone to learn the concepts of electronics and to be able to, you know, really understand by doing hands-on, right? And I mean, part of my whole thing was, you know, Ohm's law, voltage equals current times resistance. So how do you 
understand that? How do you work with that? How do you understand what a resistor does? How do you understand capacitance and the ability to store energy? You know, and how do you understand current and voltage and and really understand the concepts that are so important, I think, you know, to lights, you know, that we have in our in our homes, but but to really understand resistance and and that that generates energy and generates light. So I think to to you know to actually take my education, um, but then apply it. You know, I obviously come through Kellogg and got my MBA, but then to go back to you know my undergraduate degree and say, okay, what can I pull? What can we do to train someone uh, on the concepts, and then to put that in a manual, make it coherent, make it flow, different chapters, different modules. Um, and then to put the pieces together inside of an actual trainer so someone could do exercises and really be challenged while they're learning. So you've got to be working with your customers, too, during because you've got to know that they want it. You had to do market research to make sure there was a need for what you were doing and that it made sense. And, and so we, we're now having another part of marketing, which is market research. And then another part of uh, client service, which is making sure that the client really wants what you're going to develop and, and doing that with in partnership with the client. So now we've got the product developed. Now we've got the manuals developed. And now we start learning how to sell this, service this, deliver this, and train people how to use it. Exactly. Then you roll it out to the rep network, you know, train them how to sell it, obviously introduce it to your existing customers because a lot of them have already expressed interest. And then we're, you know, then we're out and running, right? Marketing it, introducing it, sending out press releases, you know, so then you're off, you know, off to the races, hopefully. And it worked out. Now, just to remind um, our, our co-voyaging listeners traveling with us, we're talking about the advantages of working in a small business we're also talking about taking responsibility for the business working. We're talking about risking, um, knowing that you don't have to know everything, but being open to learning and growing. Uh, so you don't get to really just, you know, keep a, you know, a, a single picture of who you are. You're willing to make mistakes. You're willing to learn. You're willing to grow. And what we're talking about is how Rich got to do just about every part of the business uh, are there any other parts that that you got to engage in uh, before you left TII? I think that was I think that was probably it. I mean, I touched almost everything. You know, like you were saying, from the back office and developing our back office systems to developing our billing systems and how we were invoicing, um, and you know, starting on the sales side. You know, so the whole flow through and building out that independent rep net, rep network, our inside sales. Uh, call center. And then also then we started into outside sales and having our own dedicated reps in the field, working with the independent rep, rep network. So, you know, and then, like you said, product development, manufacturing, going in the back, you know, when do you get to like go in the back and, and see how things are manufactured and manufacture an actual product and then ship it out to customers. Um, you know, so all of that, in addition to traveling internationally, like I said, and really solidifying, I guess, that rep network so that they were paying attention to our products and selling our products. So at that point, I think I had touched most of the, if you think about a company, you know, most most areas of the company. 
So we'll go into you as a salesperson in our, our next podcast and the adventure of sales and the challenges of sales. But right now, the point that we've been trying to make is smaller companies tend to offer you more development opportunities to really dig into and understand business, to engage in business, and to develop yourself as you become a stronger and stronger business person rather than simply a functionary doing a job at a company. There are obviously values in this, um, and we'll get into the values for Rich uh, later on. But what ends up happening to end this chapter is Rich was always in leadership training. He was always in entrepreneurship training, and he was always in, in, in different kinds of trainings to develop himself. And one year, uh, he was at a one-week training. Tell the people the story about how you came to leave TII, Rich. Yeah, I was at a leadership training. Um you know, and, and really learning a lot, um, wanted to stay in that training because I felt like I could really build on the momentum. Um, I was, I was, uh, developing right. And learning. Um, and so, you know, had called my boss and he said, and he basically said, no, you know, you need to come back. Um, and so we kind of had a little bit of a heart to heart there in terms of talking about, you know, I'm really learning a lot. I'm really developing. Um, and maybe, maybe I've learned everything I can learn here at TII, you know, so it kind of pushed us into a conversation where, um, you know, maybe it's time, time for me to move on. I mean, I'm, I'm learning a lot in this leadership training. I want to keep learning and maybe there's not as much for me to learn at TII. We've gotten over a million dollars now. We've, we've gotten to profitability, uh, which was always our goal. And so maybe it was time to move on. And, and that's what did happen. Well, thank you, Rich. And for our next podcast, we'll talk about, well, what's next for me? And uh, we'll get into sales. Thank you very much. Thanks, Dr. Bob. Take care. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. To learn more about how to fulfill your potential as a leader, visit us at hardlightshow.com. Take our Transformation Leadership Quiz while you're at it.